0: that I have not um, particularly loved All Saints Day because for me personally, it has often been a day where I'm in touch with my pain and my grief and my loss. And I tend to be a person that likes to live life looking ahead, not backwards. Uh, I tend to uh, live my life uh, wanting to be Joyful and happy, and I don't like, I I struggle uh, sometimes avoiding uh, the grief that is there. And so I haven't been terribly excited about All Saints Day throughout my entire ministry. But I have to say, this week, uh, I've had a new perspective on this day, this time, and it's really changed everything for me. I certainly see this day as a solemn remembrance, but it's also, I realize, a day of celebration. I see this day where grief is appropriate, where where we acknowledge that there are loved ones in our lives who are not with us anymore. And yet, it is also a day of giving thanks. John Wesley, uh, who was the founder of the Methodist Church, our friends right next door, um, used to love to preach on this Sunday. And I thought, why in the world would anybody love to preach? On this day, well, well, in his journals, he tells us why he says it's a day of triumphant joy. Listen to what he says. He says this day he's talking about in night in seventeen fifty six he says November the first, which is All saints' Day, was a day of triumphant joy as all saints' day generally is. And he goes on to say it's a terrible mistake to miss the opportunity to give thanks for the lives and death of the saints of God. So I'm wondering, what is it about this day that gives us joy? And you know the answer I've discovered? It's that Christians before us, believers before us, live life just like you and I did, you and I do, With all the ups and all the downs and all the struggles and all the hardships. And you know what happened? They, by God's grace, persevered. They hung with it. They hung in there till the very end. So let's let's be honest. Being a follower of Jesus is not an easy deal. I mean, it's not, not. Not only do we have, as Christians, all the struggles anybody else has in life. But because we follow Jesus, and we live in a world that's in rebellion against God, that is selfish to the core, the world is going this way, and Jesus calls us to selfless living, which goes this way. And so you see what happens. We're immediately going against the grain, and it's not easy. You know that. It's not easy to be a part of God's church. God's church has challenges. You know, you, know what I, you know what I say? I always say that God's church has caused me the greatest pain that I have in my life and at the same time, the greatest joy. Because I don't know about you, but man, when I... When I experience church, the things that go on in church and the things that happen in church just often break me up. I just crack up over the crazy things that happen. I mean, for instance, I was reading this week about, um, God, what is that guy's name? He was the uh, weatherman. I'm draw, drawing a blank. Oh, Willard Scott. There he goes. you go. You all remember him on the Today Show? It, when he got, had the big hair. Do, do you remember? Anyway, he was a Baptist. He was a Baptist. And. And the Baptist will celebrate communion as we do sometimes, using the little plastic cups, and you put the grape juice in it, right? So he was 12 years old, and he tells about this. He says, I I took communion with my family, I drank the juice, and then I realized there was a little juice down in the bottom of it. So I took my tongue and stuck it down to the very bottom to get all that was there. And all of a sudden, suction took hold, and I could not get the cup to come off. (laughs) Just at that moment, the pastor asked everybody to hold the hands of the people beside them and sing the hymn, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. What to do? So he took the whole cup, brought it into his mouth, hummed, just you know, hummed up the, the hymn, and then finally after it was over, he took it out. True story. Where else does stuff like that happen but in the church? So it, it is. It is a wonderful joy being a Christian. It is wonderful to be a part of God's church. And yet the church is also, you know, a place where there's lots of struggle, where there's lots of hardship. It breaks, it breaks me when I think about my little 19-year-old friend who died of a heroin overdose. You just don't get over a brokenness like that. Churches experience life like that. Sometimes churches have hard times, you know, as a group. Gary was telling me this week about how this church went through a little bit of a challenge financially and, and uh, it got bad so that you could not afford a full-time pastor or part-time pastor even. You had to begin sharing a pastor with Tullahoma. You know, uh, gosh, churches can sometimes have conflicts and difficulties. And, you know, sometimes, I don't know, you know, I've gotten a little bit of gray hair over the church, Sometimes you just want to say, I can't stand it, God. I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to give up. And see, that's where, that's where this All Saints Day stuff becomes so important. That's why this passage is so important. Because it's trying to remind us. This, this author is reminding us that there are a whole lot of people who have gone before us who live life just like we have with all those ups and all those downs. And by God's grace, with God's help, they have persevered. Some of the folks listed here in the Old Testament endure terrible times. What do they talk about them being sawn in two? Flogged? Put in prison? We haven't had to do that yet. But listen, we certainly know the challenges of following Jesus. It's just not easy. By God's grace, they persevered. So the question becomes, how do you persevere? And I think the answer is several things. Number one, they knew the story wasn't over yet. And listen, the story isn't over yet. God is still at work in your life. God is still at work in mine. Secondly, they remembered, they weren't alone, that there was a crowd of folks who'd gone before them. He talks about, the author talks about this great crowd of witnesses. And the image he gives us is an image of an arena. And there's an athletic uh, contest going on. And we're the athletes. We're running this race. And there are all these folks who've gone before us. Abraham and Sarah and Samson and David and Mary. And all these believers who've gone before us. And they're in the stands and they're cheering us on. And then by their example of life, by the way they live there, they're encouraging us to persevere too. To hang Tough when the going gets tough. And then the third thing, the way you do it in this text, the way you do it is you keep your eyes on Jesus. You're running that race, you keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. That's how they persevered, that's how you and I persevere. So the more I've learned about um, early Christians, the early Christian communities, the more I realize. They really did go through some tough times. They, they had some big difficulties. It mean To be a Christian in the Roman Empire meant a couple of things. Number one, it meant that you were going to be considered an atheist because you did not believe in all those Roman gods and goddesses, right? So you were an atheist, number one. Number two, you were unpatriotic. Once a year, most Romans were required to come to a temple and to offer a pinch of incense to the Caesar as a god. And of course, Christians didn't want to do that. So you were an oddball in that society to start with. Very often, Christians were ostracized by their own families. Very often, Christians were kicked out of the trade unions they were a part of. Very often, Christians were dragged from their homes and thrown into jail, which is what has happened to the Apostle Paul. So Paul is writing another letter. Now, I'm not talking about Hebrews. He's writing the letter to the Philippian church, and we studied that earlier this year. The Philippians are are Christians having a tough time. And Paul writes a little little phrase to them that's been in my head all this week. He says, at the end of his letter, he says, All the saints greet you. Now the old King James Version says, All the saints salute you. Boy, I like that. All the saints recognize how hard it is. They recognize what you're going through. They recognize the challenges that you are having, and they salute you. Now, who's he talking about? Who are the saints he's talking about? He's talking about himself, and he's not having an easy time of it. That's the Apostle Paul. He's talking about other Christians in Rome. Rome was a very risky place to be a follower of Jesus. He's talking about the Christians and the churches in Thessalonica and Berea and Antioch and Laodicea and all the churches, all the Christians throughout the Roman Empire. He's saying all these people are right there to support you and love you. They know what you're going through. They're going through it themselves and they are praying for you. But I also wonder, do you suppose the Apostle Paul was thinking about a cloud of witnesses? All those faithful people of God that had gone before them? I think he was. See, what, what, what the writer of of Hebrews is trying to do is to say to you and me when times get tough he's trying to say you're not alone listen you're not alone in this struggle you know there are, there are all these folks that have gone before us and we're one another Guess what what a wonderful thing it is to belong to a church family to know that, that I can get prayer and support and encouragement from you and you and you and you, and you. I mean it's, we need one another but one time a year, friends, one time a year, on this day, we also look heavenward and we remember all those people who've been a part of our lives and who we know about, who lived a faithful life before us. And they encourage us to. So here's what I say. Let's name the saints. Let's name. For you personally, the, thing, the people. The people that encouraged you, support you, or by their example, you know, help you be a follower of Jesus. I'll tell you a, a couple of, for me. One's an ancestor of mine lived in the 1800s. He was a wild heck of a man. Uh, that's how I know he was a bagley. But he became a preacher. <laughs> Poor guy. And he became a Presbyterian preacher. They say that he preached the most boring sermons ever uh, because as I, I was reading about him, he, apparently people would fall asleep in church. So if you're feeling a little sleepy today or in the future, if you feel asleep, I'm just channeling my heritage. So, okay. <laughs> You know what I, what I really love and respect about this dude is that when there was a cholera outbreak in Middle Tennessee, everybody was fleeing the towns out to the village, you know, out to the... The countryside, because of the disease, this guy stayed in the community to help those who were sick and to help those who were dying. Boy, I want to have some courage like that. And I'm inspired by my my maternal grandfather. He and his uh, brother-in-law ran this little bitty grocery store during the Depression. You know, back then, people didn't have anything. They didn't have any money. There were two families that were trying to feed out of this little bit of grocery store and they were just barely eking by a living, just barely able to do it. But I found out that my granddad always kept on the roll somebody who was worse off than they were. There was this fellow in the community apparently who had a, a, a mental disability who was dirt poor, had a bunch of kids. And you know how people can be cruel sometimes. Sometimes... You know, the community looked down on him. They looked down on this guy. And my granddad invited him to work in the store, gave him a job, paid him a living wage so that guy could feed his children. Man, I want to have compassion like that. And then I think of Jean. Jean's not a relative, she's just a friend. 16 years, Jean was in a nursing home. She had some sort of progressive arthritic condition. She stayed in the bed all the time. Had every reason to be bitter. She was not bitter. She was the most joyful Christian I've ever done. In the nursing home, she thought not just about herself, but she was always thinking about other people and other patients. And they were short-staffed at that nursing home as nursing homes can sometimes be. And she would, Jean would literally create a ruckus to make sure her neighbor got the care that the neighbor needed. And sometimes that was really hard because the staff sometimes didn't care for the way she went about it. But Jean loved people. She wrote this little book of poems about her life in the country and about her Christian faith. And I'm telling you, y'all, when we prayed, and we always prayed together, it was just like you'd kind of gone into heaven. So what I remember is the day that Jean died. Um, Lynn and I were camping out in the woods, somehow we had to call back in and found out that she had died. And I can remember that night after Lynn and the kids had gone to bed. I walked outside under the night stars and I looked up at the sky and tears were just streaming down my face. I just said, God, thank you for this lady. I mean, thank thank you for how... She persevered. How she struggled and how she lived. Because I want to live like that. Name the saints. Look, you've got people like that in your life. It really helps us, I think, to name those people. To hold them up and to give thanks for them. Because they have changed our lives and they still give strength to our lives. So listen, you know, this morning, that's what I'm going to invite you to do. Um, In your pews, you've got a little leaf and some pins. There's some pins. It looks like this. At the end of the pew, somewhere in the center. You just pass them so that everybody can have one. You might have to share. Let's see. Does everybody have one? If you want one, get one. You have them in your pew there. Okay, anybody else need one? Um, here's what I want you to do. This morning we're going to light candles up here uh, as a way to honor and remember folks who've died and gone before us. But if you will write down their names, say one or two or even three people, now write legibly, please, if you will write down (laughs) their names, then if you will come down this aisle... Susie's going to give you a candle and you can light a candle for them. But if you'll give me the name, then I will read it and speak it aloud so that we can honor your saints too. The people who've blessed your life, the people who've encouraged you to know God, the people who've encouraged you to to be strong in your following of Jesus and not give in to the wrong and the evil in this world. There are people that you and I draw on every single day who are God, but who are part of that witness around us, and they encourage us. So take a minute now. uh, Go ahead, write down names, number two names. If you want me to read them, then you hand me your uh, leaf as you come down the line. Come here. uh, And then take a candle, and you can light a candle. Uh, head of remembrance. Now when you go back to your pew if you will please just remain standing, standing as a way to honor everybody until all the names have been read.